booger brains and poo-poo head and toilet breath and farty far- uh, Stupid. Stupid. Yeah, well, he's very unremarkable with his two-foot-wide head. He's anatomically correct, I guess. Just the kind of things that me and the president of Hollywood talk about on the weekends as I advise him. Tube socks. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Volleyball and men's locker rooms and high fives. Taking, you know, taking a leak in the parking lot. Like, I remember that evening vividly. It's not like, oh, that's a haze. I remember it. I mean, so I wasn't like... The, the sun was still out at that point. It was yeah. more about comedy. We were trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. That was yep. that was quite funny. And then, of course, that was after a night of hot wings, if, if I'm not mistaken, at Quaker Steak. Yep. We oh. got those beer towers and stuff. Wow. I was listening to a thing on the radio today where these guys were discussing their bachelor parties, and they were like, that's so tame, and, you know... Where are the strippers and cocaine at two o'clock in the morning? It's like, no. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Some. I was good with mine. Yep. Wings, booze, and... I think there was a movie in there. I think so. Yeah. Was there a Fast and Furious in there, maybe? Or Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. We're boring. <laughs> boring freaks. Boring freaks. And welcome to... What's... What can we do to top this? I know. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> And here we are, folks. Uh-huh. Welcome to the show. Yep. <laughs> uh, so how's it going, sir? Pretty good. Had a good day. Uh, but, you know, you know, got over my little sickness or whatever, and uh, this was a good day. Got some work done. Uh, we're revamping. Well, not revamping. We're completely uh, coming up with a new website for the theater, which is a really big undertaking, especially when there's a transition period from the old one to the new one. And there's tickets that are already sold, like pre-sold for upcoming shows. And so it's a, it's a very touchy thing that has to go off without a hitch. And so we're, I mean, I'm trying to make sure that it does just that, but there's, I'm sure there, there's going to be certain things that this new and improved website uh, will be different from the old one that people probably won't like. And there's even one or two already that I'm like, ah, I wish that we would have this, but the trade-off is a much more, solid website than what we've had and it's an easier one to program movies on and all that good stuff so but it's a very time-consuming process getting everything lined up and ready to go and still juggling day-to-day stuff you know dealing with everything else that comes with running a place like this so it's uh yeah it, it's busy but good that's good maybe put a banner on the website somewhere that you are in the process of transitioning to a new website and sorry if the, uh, there are mistakes or something yeah but we're, we're trying we're, to catch yeah, all the technical yeah something I'm like going that to. Cover your butt. Uh, yeah. Yep. I'm going to. And I'm even just, you know, people get familiar with something. And now it's like, even though the new one might be a bit easier, it's still things are in different places. It looks different. There's not as much information as there had been, but it, it's more streamlined. So there's just, I know that there's going to be issues, but in a month from now, I'm sure people are, you know, hopefully people will be like, oh, it's, I like the new website. It's cool. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so. you got to drag people kicking and screaming into the future. That's right. Yeah. And or, in the end, they'll thank you for it. Or in the United States case, into the past. <laughs> into the deep, deep South past. Deep South past. Where it's okay. <laughs> Said no sane person ever. Yeah, really. And you? Uh, How are you doing? Uh, not bad. Not bad. I'm hoping for less interruptions tonight. I actually have Addie here to run interference for the boys. So 
Fingers crossed. Yep. Not that anybody else really notices out there because I added all the shit out, but it uh, last couple of weeks been pretty rough. Yeah, they've been <laughs> they've been interesting. So now is yeah. she like playing with them or is she just you know somewhere chilling out watching TV or whatever? And then if they act up, then she goes in and takes care of it. Uh, she's not playing with them. They're they're just playing in their room, and then uh, she's doing stuff in her room. And if they need juice or crackers or start to fight and scream, then she'll just kind of deal with it. Okay. Well, good. Is the game plan as the wheels fall off here in about two, 40 minutes? I'm sure they will, but uh, whatever. The Emoji Movie is now on Netflix, so I can maybe distract them with that. Oh, have they watched it? Have they started it yet, or are they? Yeah, yeah, they're that's the new one that they're into. Ugh, that movie looks terrible. Not that I'm the audience for that movie, but it looks terrible. I don't care. Yeah, I, I all I see is new kids movie. Hey, boys, Netflix, we have fun. <laughs> And be very quiet while you do it. Yes, very. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the roulette. We dive in the ocean of cinema and try and find those gems in the rough. And last week it was a futile and stupid gesture up against Erased. So you get to go first. Tell me about Aaron Eckhart. Okay, Erased from 2012. Starring, as you said, Aaron Eckhart and the uh, Olga Kurlenko, Kurlenko, which I really like her. Um, the movie is... Exactly like I thought it would be. It looks like a born light with a much smaller budget. Uh, filmed in a... Where was this filmed? Um, Belgium, I guess. Uh, which, I, may, I don't know, maybe Bel- Belgium's a cheaper place to film because everything about the movie just seemed cutting corners. Uh, Ex-CIA guy and his daughter who fights with him are running from the his ex-employers uh, because... He figures out a way to, uh, he figures out some way to, to, to do something. <laughs> you even cutting corners on plot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's, it's something about it. Basically, it's something that, that they, like, that he finds out that is going to get them in trouble. So now, therefore, they have to erase him. Yeah. And so they go on a, it's a, Cat and mouse thing, but actually it's a lot of talking and arguing and then talking and then driving. Um, and then some arguing and, oh, I, there's a little fight. Uh, then it ends. Uh, it, meh. It was, it, for a roulette, it was, it was tolerable. It was okay, but th- this should have, the plot was way overly complicated. Now, I am the, I like my spy movies really generic, so I can understand them in my brain hole. Uh, this, <laughs> this was a bit too much for me. <laughs> oh, way too confusing plot, you see. It, it just, it was an over, overly complicated plot for what it was. And this felt like it should have been more of a, a fun, action-y type born movie, which even those can get to be a bit plot heavy. This was plot heavy without much action at all. Uh, we're talking like a few minutes worth of action. Aaron Eckhart's good. I like him. Uh, he just deserves better than this. Same with, uh, same with Olga Kurlenko. She's good. I mean, you can tell the acting is good. The, the daughter, although I didn't like her, uh, was, she was okay, I guess, for her role, but it's like, uh, tween, uh, arguing and fighting with her dad, meh. <laughs> one and done. It was okay. I wouldn't <laughs> advise you watching it unless you're wanting to kill an hour and 40 minutes because that's what it is. It gets a big fat two stars. Worth that one. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah. one watch. It, it was 
considering some of the crap I've watched, this was this was okay. It might stay in the queue just when I'm looking for some background actiony kind of yeah. that that kind of thing. Yeah. So there you go. Yep. Okay, an hour and forty minutes. That was kind of a waste of time. Let's talk about a futile, futile and stupid gesture. Uh, in a life full of triumph and failure, National Lampoon co-founder Doug Kenny built a comedy empire, molding pop culture in the 1970s. And I should preface this review by saying that I just a few scat months ago, I believe, I watched a documentary about National Lampoon. Did I not? I was on the roulette. Yep, I believe I so. So I am very familiar with the story, having watched that documentary. So imagine my surprise when I watch this quote-unquote movie version of it. And it starts off with the real guy, and they're interviewing him. And I'm like, wait, so it's a documentary? Well, no. It's a bit of both. There's The real guy shows up from time to time in certain scenes. Excuse me. And says, yes, this happened, ha ha ha, or yes, I was a bad husband. Uh, but but look at me, I was didn't look like a young, young Will Forte. And I... It's like, all right, I, you don't need to be in this. There's no point. You Like, every time you come in here, it breaks up the movie that I'm lost in, that I'm enjoying. You know, I'm into this, the movie. And then you come in, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a movie, and it's actually about a real person. All right. Then we get to the third act, and it does something really odd for the third act. It, it His career is kind of going off the rails a little bit, and then... Um, he, he's contemplate. he's on a cliff, like, I'm gonna spoil this movie, uh, okay. he's contemplating suicide, maybe? We don't really know, he's just kind of sitting on this cliff, and then it just shows his shoes and water bottle as though he jumped, and then, then we go to a funeral scene, where he imagines everybody there at his funeral, and then one of his buddies, you know, he's, he wants everybody to be laughing and because real guy, him and young actor guy, him are standing there looking at people. And so they start a food fight, which is what he would want his funeral to be like, I guess was the point of it. And then the movie ends and it's like, what the fuck was that? The guy's not dead. He's still alive. Why do we have a whole funeral scene? This made no sense. It was like, they had no way to end the movie. They just did that. And I, I mean, there are some very funny parts in this movie and you might want to watch it if you're not burnt out on the history of National Lampoon the way that I am. But, but you're done. I'm done with this story, my friend. <laughs> I am done with it. I get it. And it's a very common story for that 70s into 80s transition period where it doesn't matter. A drug dealer, uh, rock and roll guy, actor, it's all kind of the same arc. Somebody who achieved stardom worked too much, got too carried away, was a piece of shit as a husband or a father or whatever, and then fell off the cliff one way or another, I guess, is the moral of the story. And it, we, you've... Yeah, ugh. At an hour and 40 minutes, uh, you could have cut 15 minutes out of this movie, at least, maybe 20, and had an actual ending, but instead of this fake funeral thing that just didn't make any sense. I guess maybe that's what he wants to ha- see happen at his funeral, but... Why would anybody do that? Because we're not all children. I mean, you try to act like you're not all self-indulgent, but then you immediately want us to be self-indulgent in honor of you. It just, it was, 
by the time we got to that part, I was like, I'm done with this movie. So, um, a thumbs down, I'm assuming? No, I mean, I'll give it like a 5.5. Like, it was worth a watch. Okay. Especially if you're not, yeah, buried in National Lampoon history, yeah. like I am currently. But it was anno- it was kind of annoying because it was like, this was all in that documentary. I don't know why we're doing this again, but I guess it's different filmmakers and they could have, considering when they came out, they could have been making these movies concurrently. Um. Oh, and the and the real guy kind of seems like a prick. Like he's like, I don't want to be in this. Why are we rehashing this? I don't want to talk about my fucked up family. Like he's trying to be funny, but it just you just come off sounding kind of like a dickhead. And I I think you should leave it in the queue, give it a watch because it does have a lot of really great actors in it. Um, and it's it's interesting to see people try and play Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and Gilda Radner and all that. Mm -hmm. But um. One and done for me, sir. One and done. Because of the director, I am going to give that one a watch at some point. Uh, I really like his movies. Wet Hot American Summer is one of, if not my favorite comedy of all time. So I'll give it a watch. But after your review, my expectations have been lowered a bit. Next round. Okay, heading your way. First up is Welcome to Willits. This is a sci-fi horror Comedy, maybe? Uh, deep in the northern California woods, in the heart of the notorious Emerald Triangle, lies a remote cabin. The residents struggle to fight off the repeated attacks and abductions by mysterious creatures that have plagued them for years. So there's that. Short runtime, hour and 24 minutes. Keep expectations low on that one, folks. Next up, Radius from 2017. Sci-fi thriller, hour 33 minutes. A man wakes with amnesia and finds people mysteriously dead. And I believe that if people get uh, get too close to him, they die, I think. I think that's what I saw. Like, if they get within 50 feet of him, they die. Yeah, so that's an interesting premise. And last but not least is Vengeance. Uh, starring Nicolas Cage. Oh, actually, oh, I'm sorry. Vengeance. A love story. Starring Nicolas Cage. What? Really? <laughs> yeah, on IMDb, it's Vengeance, a love story. Rated wow. MA, so there's going to be all sorts of goodies in here. Not uh, Nicolas Cage and Don Johnson are in it. And that's all you need to know. Back to uh, you. Yep. Um, for you, The Ritual, Netflix original. And this is your horror movie of the week. And it looks like a legit horror movie. If you watch this trailer, this does not look like your ho-hum ghost story. This looks sweet. Four friends with a long-standing but strained connection take a hiking trip into the Swedish wilderness from which they may never return. In the trailer, they are going on a hike in this very thick woods, and they come across these weird symbols carved into trees. They decide to keep going, and then they find, like, a deer 20 feet up in a tree, split in half and guts all over the place. It looked, it looked pretty tight. Six days... When armed gunmen seized the Iranian embassy in 1980, a tense standoff, uh, six-day standoff ensues while elite British soldiers prepare for a dangerous raid. Jamie Bell, Abby Cornish, Mark Strong. That's a good cast. Yeah, and the trailer was good. This was in theaters, I believe. Uh, lastly, Thumper. After, this one is your most roulette of the week. After moving to a hard, what is with these synopsis? What, hard scramble? Is that the word? Let's pretend it is. Hard okay. scramble. After moving to a hard scramble suburban California town, a young woman becomes dangerously entangled with a local drug enterprise. And I watched the trailer. It didn't look like it really appealed to me, but I remember people talking about this movie when it was, uh, uh, I think, on the indie circuit. 
I remember hearing whispers about it, and the trailer looked like the technicals were all legit and everything, so uh, it at least will be a real movie. Cool. Uh, okay, what do you want? Um, this is going to be pretty easy. I checked the director of The Ritual out, David Bruckner, and he also made Southbound, which is fantastic. A great anthology horror movie. A segment of VHS, which was really good, and The Signal from 2007. I know we've talked about The Signal, um, but that's a pretty solid filmography already. And I, the trailer, I did watch the trailer. That's definitely up my alley. It looks a bit Blair Witchy, maybe? I don't know. There's a smidge of that in there. Yeah. So we'll see. But it, at the very least, it's a Netflix original, so it elevates it somewhat. But I'm, they, I honestly, like, well, the, that thumper, meh. But, uh, the six days, I believe you are right. I think that was in theaters, and that does look really good. So. Let's keep that one in mind for a later show. Yes. Uh, there's a good chance I'll be watching The Ritual, too. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, okay, over to me. Uh, welcome to Willits. I watched half of the trailer and turned it off, but I didn't know there was creatures in it. You said creatures, so I might have to rethink that one at a later date. I will say, the- I, I had the opportunity to book, to book this one at our theater, but because I, it's like, ah, eh, that may, that looks like a one like a one-time late-night showing or something. But, so, it did get a theatrical release, if that helps. Wow. Well, yeah. the trailer did not look like that. It looked pretty bad. Uh, Nick Cage can wait for another week, at least, but I will take Radius, because it's kind of got a sci-fi sounding thing. I was hoping you'd throw that one my way. I will dive on that one for next week. So, we we ended with two mediocre movies today. There's a chance that next week we might have two, I don't want to say gems, I'm not going to say gems, but two... Thumbs ups. Well, it's uh, it, there's always a chance of anything. Who knows? Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right. Next week on the roulette, it'll be Radius up against the Ritual. And are you ready to move on, sir? Let's do it. Now we were trying to think of a new segment or something interesting to come up with for yeah, just something to bullshit about, and said, "Well, it is uh, Valentine's this week." And our buddy TJ over on Average Joe's Drive-In podcast, he did like a three-hour show on romantic movies with uh, him and one of his buddies. Can't wait to listen to that. And I believe it was, I mean, knowing him, it's going to be all atypical. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but I thought, that's really interesting. Maybe we should talk about some romantic movies as well. But then in our texting back and forth, I got an even better, more disturbing idea. How about five... Anti-Valentine scenes. Anti-romantic. Let's go the opposite way, as is what we kind of do here. <laughs> yep. Oh, the list. Yeah, it's, yeah, the more I went down this this rabbit trail, it, it, ugh, ugh, it was like gross and ew. But uh, I don't want to, yeah, you kick us off, sir. What, what What's first, it, it doesn't have, it can be a scene, it can be a movie, it can, you know, that's something okay. in and around anti-romance. Okay, so all of these are going to be scenes, pretty much. And like, I don't really have any movie that is straight up a romantic movie. I don't like those movies, and I have yet to watch a full-on romantic. Well, I don't want to say that. I'm sure that there's some out there, but I just can't think of any any right now. True so we're just gonna go with that's our kind of romance movie. Hey, there you go. Oh, that's right. That's a good one. Uh, okay, so starting things off is the. I'm just gonna start with the first one I thought of, and that is. Uh, Bride of Chucky, where Chucky and Tiffany have sex in a very plasticky, rubbery <laughs> sort of way. Fantastic. 
And uh, I'm like, ah, yeah, he's he's anatomically correct, I guess. And so they they get it on, and we see some of it, and it was great. Uh, the, the best part was, do do you have any robbers? Look at me, I'm all right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, folks, that's what you are in store for for the next thirty minutes. Wow. Is that? <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't do much of an order for mine either. You know, like, best to worst. Yeah. So, um, the bottom, the, I'll go with the first one that I thought of. Spun. <laughs> Spun? Uh, Spun. The, the movie where they're doing meth. Oh, wow. I don't know if I've ever seen that movie. Oh, yeah, you have. Oh, yeah, Spun. you have. Look it up on IMDb. But I'll describe this wonderfully unsexy scene. It's, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but, uh, he is in a hotel. Jason Schwartzman? Jason Schwartzman is in a hotel room oh, with yes, this girl. Oh, yes, this movie. And he, she's tied to the bed, and th- there was something, I don't know if she was a hooker or a girlfriend or what, I think it was girlfriend, I can't, it's been too long since I watched it, but he goes, just hang tight, I'm gonna go run an errand, I'll be right back, just hang on. And he walk sets a record on and then walks out the door and slams the door, and as he slams the door, the record skips every two oh, seconds. And, and she's yes. chained to the bed for, like, three days or something like that as he goes... I think, was that Brittany Murphy, or was that Amina Savari? I think it was Brittany Murphy, but don't quote... It's been oh, too many years. Oh, man, that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes... Because she knows he's going off to score meth, and then he wanders around for days, completely forgets about her. Oh, it was Good one. Awful. That's That's a good one. Okay, next up for me is the very, very romantic orgy from Conan the Barbarian, where where uh, Schwarzenegger is getting ready to pour the big kettle full of body part liquid stuff all over the floor, and uh, James Earl Jones is turning into a snake, and there's just writhing bodies everywhere, followed directly thereafter by lots of heads being lobbed off, and it is such a great scene in a great movie. And uh, it's so sexy, you see. No, so I'm, I'm hot. I'm all, all worked yeah. up over here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's so, oh, uh, it's so gross, yeah, and uncomfortable, yeah. and this, and then just as the orgy's going on, like the the orgy goers are walking up and they're with their bowls, and the big hooded guys are pouring their human remain soup stuff into the bowls and one lady I think takes a bite out of a hand or (laughs) it's almost like that scene in Bad Taste where they're passing the green bowl of puke around (laughs) oh yeah yes (laughs) but it's done way more classy in Conan the Barbarian yes yes cannibalism over vomit eating (laughs) for the win (laughs) FTW (laughs) okay Okay. next up for me is Leaving Las Vegas Uh, Nicolas Cage um Yes. Here's what's tragic about this, because this actually is, you know, it's, it's, this is very anti-romantic. It fits the description very well. You have two people that kind of want to be together, but they're so fucking damaged on both ends of the spectrum, especially him, that even when they kind of are are starting to get together, it just always falls apart and turns into a train wreck. Um, Yeah, nothing romantic about those scenes, even when there's... It looks like there's about to be a lovemaking scene or something. It does not. It never ends well. So, yeah, not at all. I that was, that movie there is one and done. And it was very well made. Nicholas Cage was fantastic in it, but man, that was 
a rough movie. It is. I own that movie and I've watched it a couple of times. It is proof that Nicolas Cage can act his ass off when he wants to. When he wants to. Key word there. Yeah, when he wants to. Okay, next up uh, is Silent Night, Deadly Night. What list would not uh, be complete without Silent Night, Deadly Night? This one here is the Linnea Quigley scene with her on the pool table with a random shirtless blonde dude. And uh, the girl's coming down the stairs, and uh, Linnea says, <laughs> she says, uh, go up, I'm not sure what the little girl's name was, but uh, if you don't go back up to bed, Santa's not going to come. And the guy was like, he's not the only one. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that scene makes me horny. Oh, the, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave that there, because we all know how that scene ends, but... Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it was it's great. I mean, she's yeah, it's it's a good scene. And there's some like some really cheesy bad western country music being played, but it's supposed to be sexy. And I like the song. Uh, <laughs> we'll just leave that uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Eight ball in the corner pocket. I think he may have said that too as he's taking her top off. It's so romantic. <laughs> it's, there you it's go. Hot. Actually, there's numerous scenes in Silent Night Deadly Night that would that 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 should be on this list, and none of them are. Oh, something with nuns? Doesn't somebody get busted by nuns when they're? Yeah, they, yeah. These, oh, this, this quote-unquote teenage couple gets busted by Mother Superior towards the beginning of the movie, and they look like they're in their mid twenties at least. <laughs> and she whips them with a belt, and you filthy devils. Which another very romantic, yeah, very sexy scene. Yeah, uh, if you have very, very specific tastes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, back to you. Closer. Starring Julia Roberts, Jude Law, Natalie Portman, Clive Owen. Okay. Have you seen this movie? You haven't seen it? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. This is a great movie overall, but uh, amazing movie about relationships. And um, there are just some parts of it that are just so sad. Like when uh, Natalie Portman's talking to Jude Law and saying, like, I would have loved you forever. But he was just too neurotic and about what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you too possessive? It's such a great commentary on relationships, like in your twenties. When you get to like your thirties and your forties, you can start looking back and seeing those. Whoa, we've all had that relationship where we made that mistake, or the other person cheated on you, or whatever. And that movie just kind of deals with all of that in such a realistic way, in my opinion. Outside of a couple extremes, like her going and stripping, and uh, that's not always <laughs> a normal outcome of a bad relationship. But yeah, mm, there are numerous mo- moments in that movie that would be very that are very anti-romantic. I do remember that movie. Uh, it's been many, many years since I've seen it, but I recall liking that movie. It's a great movie. Okay, the next one uh, uh, is uh, Wet Hot American Summer. And all I can say about the scene in particular is tube socks and I, tool shed. I, that just might be because of your orientation, uh, sir. Uh, But just grinding and humping and mmm. That was that was pretty passionate, though. Maybe if you were swung the other way, you would be okay with yeah. that. Oh yeah, and they get married, I believe, oh. uh, in the in the movie in a yeah in a very yeah that was Bradley Cooper and ah uh, who else? Uh, I know his face, but I don't know his name. Yeah, it was hilarious. That the whole obviously the whole movie was that that scene was just. You weren't expecting it, and then it happens, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, we're going here." And I guess the the, tube- the anti-romantic part of it is that it's in like a woodshed. 
Oh, and, and they, they've got gym, gym socks on, like hiked way up to their. Well, that was the eighties, their... dude. I know. And that's what makes it all the funnier to me. Or was it seventies? <sighs> when was that set? I don't even. Eighties, okay. early eighties. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Good times. Nice. Next one for me is Kill Bill. There are a couple of scenes in this movie that I think would make it qualify. One, and, and it's because of how well it's written. And that's, uh, you know, at first it starts off where you think that Bill is just a madman lunatic. But then as the story progresses, especially when you get into part two, you realize you get the backstory of what made him do that. So when he does his Superman speech at the end of part two, it really makes you reflect on the opening scene of Kill Bill where he's slaughtering a whole wedding party and of a pregnant lady and says, no, honey, this is me at my most masochistic. Like, that is a man with a soured, broken heart. <laughs> wow, to say the very least. Yep. So, yeah, I would count that as unromantic. Yep, agreed. <clears throat> That's a good one. Okay, next up for me is Toxic Avenger. And because <laughs> the reason being, it's a trauma movie, and trauma should be on this list somewhere. And what better uh, what better movie than Toxic Avenger? Every, every, yeah, I mean, where you could just say trauma. <laughs> trauma, yeah. Just trauma is on this list. But uh, I have to break down the scene. It, Toxic Avenger and his blind girlfriend have sex, and it's hilarious and gross all at the same time. It's kind of romantic, though. She's blind. She's immune. She doesn't know he's so hideous and ugly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, I just and the scene in particular in the movie is like you know he's a big dude now, and so and she like obviously shows that he's a big dude in the scene by overacting to the point where it's like, oh, I get it. I get it. I know what the. Okay, I yeah. He's a mutant, and so is his penis. You see. Oh, oh, you meant okay. Yeah. I thought you meant muscly. No, it's, yeah. So anyway, it was. It's trauma. Uh-huh. On a that, on that a romantic That's our list. trauma. Yep. Okay. La- last for me, I doubled up on this one for a specific reason. Uh, Fight Club and Choke. And the reason I doubled up on them is because they are both adaptations of Chuck Palahniuk books. I figure they kind of fall in the same world. Fight Club, because, do do I need to really say it? The, uh, the, the line after they're done banging, she's like, my God, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. Oh, and that was actually oof. a replacement line because the line that he had in there, I think, was from the book. I could be wrong. And the producers and studio or whatever were uncomfortable with it. And they're like, can you change that? And so he came back with that. And they're like, that's kind of worse. And he said, too bad. <laughs> we're keeping it. Uh, the original line was, I want to have your abortion. Oh, <laughs> So, for that movie. again, I guess it goes to your particular sexual tastes and preferences, but I would call that unsexy. And for yes. Choke, that is a movie dealing with sexual addiction. I, how do you pick one scene out of this entire movie? It's an awesome movie. I, I totally dig it. But I guess if I just had to pick just one off the top of my head, I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, no, I got two. Uh, the first one is <laughs> she's the girl at the Renaissance Fair is giving him a hand job. In, in the horse barn and she falls asleep while she is giving him a hand job. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, you know, that's hot. Uh, the other scene is that I guess, spoiler for the movie, if you haven't seen choke, but, uh, it's been enough years. I think I can give away this little tidbit. He's, he's one of the people he's been banging is, um, a doctor at this mental 
or a clinic or a, in, not insane asylum, but it's just where they're housing people that have some issues. And so he's been banging her there for a while, usually in the chapel of the building, which is not romantic at all. And towards the end, we find out that she's not a doctor. She's a patient. Oh. So that's really awkward and weird. And then they kind of still leave together. I mean, well, yeah, that's that's not a good thing to find out that you're doing. That's no. not romantic. It ends in a romantic way, but kudos to Sam Rockwell for pulling off that chore of a job to make that movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, really good movie. Underrated, in my opinion. Okay. So I've got two more here. Mm. And uh, the first one uh, I have to include because it's uh, Tom Atkins. And Tom Atkins is just the mustached dude. Halloween part three, where he meets this pretty young girl in the movie. And uh, as with the Tom Atkins movie, uh, minutes later, he's in the sack with her. He some makes some comment about, I think these clothes will last another couple days as they're shacking up in the hotel. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's got a six pack of beer. And she's, I'm like, she's 18 ish, maybe 19. And you're 70. And he's got a kid. Doesn't he have a kid in that movie too? Uh, he's got two kids and a divorce. Yeah. He's, yeah. Oh, yeah. But every time I see him, I just think, Rose Dower. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the th- this is my number one uh, most maybe unromantic movie, uh, unless you're me and then you find it incredibly, incredibly arousing. And that is Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis in Top Gun. <laughs> because nothing says Valentine's Day like them licking each other's faces with uh, Take My Breath Away going on. Good stuff. Ugh, wow. And there's other scenes in that movie, too. That's not the only scene. There's also other scenes, including volleyball and men's locker rooms and high fives. And there's just a lot of really passionate stuff going on in there that I I thoroughly enjoy. Actually, the absolute sexiest thing about that movie is uh, Meg Ryan. Goose, take me home or lose me forever or whatever she says there. I'm like, oh, you're adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly McGillis says the same thing to Tom Cruise. Does she? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, so... I mean, yes, let's do this. Because oh. <laughs> I'm straight. <laughs> Moving on now. So there you go. That's my. That was my list. Cool. That was fun. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Just, that is the movie freaks random, random list of top something. All right. Uh. Or, wow. We got all kinds of time for recently watched tonight. We burned through that even quicker than I thought we would. Hey, I wanted to ask, though, before we get to recently watched, uh, have we talked? I don't believe we've talked about the uh, Solo trailer yet. Oh, okay. I just thought we would just, sure. real quick, I was expecting that we were going to have a full-on trailer after the really short uh, teaser trailer. But thus far, nothing. What the, Your thoughts They released on the tra- it that on t- Monday after. The full trailer? Yeah, there, that, it was twice as long as the Super Bowl one. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, we will pause the show. Go watch it. I'll wait. I did not know that. I, really? I post. I think I posted it. Uh, go, seriously, go to YouTube and watch it right now. Because I want to talk about it. Okay, yeah. Because I just saw the Super Bowl one, which was 
really short. Well, they they did that on purpose. It was a teaser because they already said it's coming Monday, so they did the Super Bowl one as a teaser for it. Okay, solo extended trailer. I'm guessing two. Is it the one that's two minutes and twenty eight seconds? Yep. Oh, okay. So let me watch this. I didn't know that. Hey, uh, give me your responses live after the commercial on YouTube, of course. Oh yes, they are so bad with that right now. Anymore. Oh, it's awful. It's so. Ugh. Ah. This is a this is a movie freaks first of a live response to Here we go. Solo. Oh yeah. Yep. I did not see any of this. Millennium Falcon? Thumbs up. With the thing in the middle. Did you notice that? Huh. You know the Falcon has a split thing in the front? Oh yeah. It's solid now. I don't know what that means. A very clean Falcon. Brand new wow. Falcon. Dude, this looks great. Oh, man. Falcon outrunning the uh, Star Destroyer. That was awesome. <laughs> Is it over? That was good. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I did not know that. I I just thought that the Super Bowl trailer was it for now, for a little while. Yeah, that, that was minimal. But yeah, they had announced that it was coming on Monday. So... Everything about that looked cool to me. I'm, I'm sure that there's all sorts of hate already online, but what are your thoughts? I think it looks f- fine. I mean, I'm not worried about it or anything, really. I'm, I'm a Star Wars dork. I mean, you give me a Star Wars TV show with half the budget of a the lowest budgeted one, I'm in. I'm going to watch that shit. Are you kidding me? I make... I, I, I like everything Star Trek, and I'm not even that big of a Star Trek... F- you know what I mean? Like, I... I yeah. This is right... This is me. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm I'm there, of course, uh, but concerns. His I've watched that twice a day since it came out, at least, and because something kind of feels a little weird. Uh, his delivery, and I know it's just a trailer, so I I'm reeling it in. But his delivery seems kind of flat, and I don't know what it is about that. Um, there were concerns, that, and they brought in an acting coach for him and stuff after they fired the um, directors they had. So, I, I, it's like the other things that I've seen him in, I didn't think he was a bad actor by any means. And then I see him delivering dialogue in this one, and I'm like, what are you doing there? The part where he goes, uh, she says, I think I'm the only person who knows who you really are. And he goes, this is his facial reaction. And t- it's the facial reaction that I'm talking about in this comment. He goes... What, what is that supposed to mean? What what does that mean? What is that? It, I didn't know. Like, is he trying to be funny? And then he's like, wait, I'm concerned. Oh, but I'm funny again? It was a very strange kind of scene. I'm sure once we see the full scene, maybe it'll make more sense or whatever. But Do, do you uh, do you know how much of the original footage is going to still be in there? I know that there are tons of stuff were was reshot. 30, 40 percent, I would guess. Wow. I mean, they jettisoned a lot of it from what I heard. And um, some of the other lines in there, just, I got kicked out of the Flight Academy because I wanted to think on my own. It just sounds very flat to me. So, we'll see. I, I, I'm not like, this is going to blow. I'm just like, I, I wait till I see the movie. So. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the storyline will be other than just him meeting up with with Chewbacca and uh, Calrissian. It'll be him rescuing Chewbacca from uh, slavery. It'll be him hooking up with the guy to do a heist movie. 
Uh, it'll be him maybe making the Kessel run so we can talk about that. It'll be him <sighs> finding out what that giant space creature Cthulhu is so that later he can say, this is no cave. It's just wow. going to be a whole lot of that, in my opinion. And, okay. I'm, uh, all right. <laughs> yep. We'll all go watch it. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if this is going to be the big summer movie, because you'd think that any year that a Star Wars movie would open in the summer, that's going to be the movie. But this is the summer of Avengers. Uh, and, you know, the last Star Wars movie just came out. So I just wonder if... I, I hate to say Star Wars fatigue, but I'm curious, like, how well it's going to do. I think it's going to be just fine. And they'll probably have much the same way with, like, they did with Rogue One, where they brought, brought in Tony Gilroy and included... We got to get a Darth Vader scene in there. There's got to be a fucking lightsaber in this messing somebody up somewhere. And they made that iconic, amazing scene. I, I can't imagine that they won't have something in there somewhere. Of a lightsaber and a Jedi somewhere at the end. Just as a giant reveal surprise thing that keeps everybody excited and happy about a kind of subpar Star Wars movie. Yeah. And that's, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I don't give a shit. It, it, these are for kids and it'll be just fine. It's not like they're making R rated ones. We're not going to get, if we're going to get any kind of fatigue this year, it's going to be Marvel fatigue because we got six Marvel movies this year. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. We got six Marvel movies, one DC, and one Star Wars. There's no winter Star Wars movie this year. Yeah. I am a bit surprised that they didn't hold off for winter on this one. You just keep that one a year rolling. I'm okay with the summer one. I'm just, I'm a bit surprised that they didn't. I don't know what the biggie is going to be this next winter. If there's going to be, like, what is going to replace that? Because it's kind of, that's the big tentpole of the winter, of uh, the Christmas movies. I don't, I, I've heard that question asked around the web multiple times. Why didn't they just put it off till December? Let it go. And I honestly can't tell you. The only thing that I can possibly guess, and this is just a long shot, I don't really believe this, I'm just... The only DC movie is in December. That's Aquaman. I don't... I can't imagine that they're afraid of that, but... No, I can't. No. I can't... I, but I... What comes out... I feel like there's heavier hitters coming out in May... So definitely, uh, but who knows? Maybe, or May. Well, is it May? I guess it's May twenty fifth or something. So it's like June is more the concern than May. When does Avengers come out? May fourth. Okay, so it's got a. I mean that that's got several weeks before Solo hits. Right, but May is always stacked every year. There's like every single weekend in May. There's big movies coming out. Yeah. So, nah, interesting. I'm curious as to how that's gonna. Shape up. I'm I'm rooting for it just because I thought it took major balls to just up and fire those other directors and like you know what you're not cutting it by. And I like it. Do it. Yeah. There there needs to be more of that in my opinion. Yeah. If you're making the kind of movies that they want you to make, or if you're not, then they have the right to just cut you loose. Not nothing did. against Lord and Miller. I I think that if they want to play all loosey goosey with their directing style, the way that all reports say they want to do, then you should be making your own fucking script. You should be doing, you should be playing in your own sandbox and not in somebody else's. Yeah. Yep. Just I agree. Thoughts. Yep. Okay. Just, uh, just, just the kind of things that me and uh, the president of Hollywood talk about on the weekends as of I course. advise him, you know? Yeah. yeah of course. Yes. <laughs> Keep up the good work, by the way. That's mm, no problem. I bring will. back Josh Trank. 
Uh, he's got a, actually he's making a movie right now. Yeah, that is the one with Tom Hardy, correct? Hmm. Supposedly, I or maybe that's already done. What did you think of the Venom trailer? Good. That thumbs up here looks good. Yeah, same hair. Tom Hardy. I mean, he's just can be walking down the street, kind of slumping his shoulders, and I'm like, I would not mess with that dude. Like, yeah, he just looks angry <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What was the one that you got me to watch? Uh, where he's a little bit off in the, the drop. dog. Yeah, that was a good movie. That, and that was one where after it was done, I'm like, that was a good movie. But but I thought about it long after it was done. That yeah, was a good I'm movie. Sick of you guys coming in here with your flippity flop shoes, thinking you're oh, oh that ending. Yeah, that, oh, was that good. made the movie. Yeah, I believe there was too much of the dog stuff, but it all tied in together. Fine, so yeah. good movie. Anyway, wow, we went all over the gamut on that one. Well, that's fine. We have plenty of time to do so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's... it's, Dude, there isn't anything Star Wars that I don't defend other than the TV special. I own the Ewok movies, okay? <laughs> Which, those need to get a Blu-ray release, please. Because I will buy them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and the spaceship crashes, and one of the Ewoks has to uh, bring the girl back home. Or uh. I just remember that the one guy went to a pond to get a drink, and when he touched the water, he was trapped under the water instantly, and he couldn't get back, couldn't break the surface till somebody else broke the surface. And it scared the shit out of me as a kid watching it on TV. I can't believe that they made two TV movies of Star Wars back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched them too, and oh, I loved them. And that was back when, like, I was too much into Star Wars, so my mom and dad were kind of cutting me off, or you know, they were they were throttling my Star Wars intake, uh, which I disagree with. But I was able to watch those movies, and I thought they were just the best thing ever. Yep. Eh, yeah. Anyway. They actually, you know, I bought them on DVD uh, as a two pack. They put that out when they were putting out every damn thing on DVD. And I went in thinking that, oh, this is going to be god-awful. And I watched the first one, and I was like, you know what? And remembering nothing of it, pretty much, this isn't bad. But that's just pure nostalgia. Yeah. Are there any villains in those movies, or is it just kind of a heartwarming tale of trying to get family back together again? No, they had to go rescue their family members that were kidnapped. I think the little there was a little curly blonde girl, like yes. yep. four-year-old... That had to join up with the Ewoks and go rescue her family from some other kind of goblin-y looking things on Endor. No, sorry. The forest moon of Endor. Yes. Uh, Those took place after Jedi, right? Yeah. As far as I remember, I guess I'll just have to dig them up and watch them again. Thank you. And Uh, I might have to borrow that DVD, because I do want to watch those again. (laughs) I can make that happen. It's Star Wars that you can for sure watch with your kids. That's true. I might do that. I might take you up on that. Okay. Lord knows where I filed those things in the vault. Yeah. Did I file them under Star Wars or Endor? It had to be under Star Wars. Because hmm. I would I would guess that that would look good with all the rest of your yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. We will see. Can Eric find his stupid Ewok movies in the vault? <laughs> and will Eugene watch them both? On DVD. Yeah. No. On DVD. <laughs> Oh, those well, are probably early in the morning treadmill type de- deals for me. Yeah, I don't think they were very long either. Like 75 minute long. 
I could. And if, hey, at the very least, I'm sure they're a shot on film, which that is immediately one star up. Like, that it's not going to be, yeah, the, wait till we get into recently watched. I'll get into that. What a fantastic transition, sir. Take us away. Okay, let's start off with a movie that I watched 33 minutes of. So I am not going to give it a star rating, uh, because that's not fair. It, as with that other movie that we, I don't even remember the title, Happy Blood Camp or Happy Blood, whatever. The, the thing where I think I got through a couple minutes of it and people were sitting around a campfire. Oh, that roulette. Yeah. I yeah. don't even remember what it was. Yeah. Was it, no, it wasn't a roulette. I think, it, no, it was just. Oh, I think it started off as a roulette. Then, Cause then you chimed in as well. You watched, yeah. uh, yeah. Yep. So here we go again with another one. This is, uh, Volumes of Blood Horror Stories. And this is a sequel to a movie that I actually watched. Uh, I remember ago. this. Yeah, yeah, you interviewed the director of this movie. Correct. Right? Yes. So, Volumes of Blood Horror Stories is the sequel. I got through 33 minutes of it this morning, and um, finally, I'm like, you know what? Life is too short. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And I watch some shit, but look, <laughs> and I no joke. Uh. It was 33 minutes in. It wasn't too far after, like before I turned it off where the opening credits were. So we're talking like 20 minutes in and the opening credits start. I'm like, huh? What? Nothing made sense. It was scenes and it's supposed, it's an anthology, but it's just scenes of things happening, uh, with a lot of product, product placement. I, I mean, like blatantly look at my t-shirt for the tattoo parlor that obviously paid to have their shirt in the movie or whatever. Uh, <laughs> posters of other movies from probably the friends of people that made this movie. Here's the thing. I'm not going to trash on this movie too much. It's not for me. It's extreme independent do-it-yourself filmmaking. Uh, I, I, I could not get through this thing. And here again, we go into the whole... It, the cameras that they use, I'm guessing, are probably pretty good video cameras because it looks really ni- nice and clean or whatever. But it, when you couple that with the acting and or lack thereof and the audio that was, I'm like, I feel like I'm listening to people talking into a microphone, kind of. Uh, everything about was it, it, like eighty yard. Yeah. Oh, just I. There was not one thing that I even slightly enjoyed. I was I was hoping for a little bit of gore, and the the gore that I got was gory. But uh, I, I we've we've done this before. I mean, we we made our own special effects, and you people you know they made their own special effects. So I get it. I understand you don't have much money, but whoo, no budget filmmaking is what it's yes, called. no budget filmmaking. It's I just anyway. So that yeah, Ewok movie to. <laughs> Volumes of Blood Horror Stories. If you want to try and watch it, uh, it's on Amazon Prime, so I guess you can't. But that's probably a good thing for you. Um, I mean, it's just not your. It's not my thing. It is not my thing. It gets there's a lot. I actually hopped onto IMDb. I'm like, oh, this thing gets some pretty high marks from different from different websites. So, so I'm, I might be missing something here, but it just. It's got to be really good if it's going to be a really do-it-yourself type of movie for me to like because it just – it feels just – I don't know. Not like a movie movie. I know what you mean. It's got to it's gotta be something like Brick. Like it's got to be 
it's got to have a script that's just mind blowing good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, and even I know that that this movie here you liked way more than I did, but the um, oh, what's the time travel movie? Which one? The the one that you um, it's like it shot for a couple thousand dollars. Oh, Primer. Primer, yes. Like that is a. I I, I will admit that that movie. While it kind of went over my head, it was well made. It's well a movie. Acted. It's a movie, and it felt like a movie. This did not feel like a movie. Like it, just we're having fun doing this. We are having a good time doing this, and that's not an enjoyment to me. I got gotcha. you. So, anyway, there you go. Next, um, next up for me. Bear with me here because I got a whole bunch of. Th- okay, uh, so. Completely going the opposite end of the spectrum here. Uh, my wife and I were wanting to watch a movie together before the Olympics started because I knew that she was going to be full on Olympics for two weeks, which means I'm going to be watching all sorts of horror stuff for two weeks. Haha. <laughs> well, that's a giant change of pace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, because of the Jumanji movie that's just raking in the dough still at the box office, we're like, you know what? Let's revisit the old 1995. Joe Johnson directed Jumanji with Robin Williams and uh, Kirsten Dunst. I remember liking it. I've seen it, I think, only one time, and that was in the theaters back in 1995. It, my wife swears that we watched it together back when we were, you know, right around the time we got married. Maybe we did, but uh, upon rewatching, I'm sure you've seen it. It It is good, but it is very much showing its age, not just with special effects. Also starring a bunch of hand puppet spider things. <laughs> yeah, yes. The, that was the really rough. <laughs> yeah, the monkeys are... All the CGI is rough. and But back then, that was probably pretty high-tech yeah. for its time. There's still some CGI that actually works pretty good, uh, but... The CGI that doesn't is like, oh man, you, uh, you guys should have just gone the practical effects route with that because it would have probably held up better. But the story is cute. Uh, I It actually makes me want to watch the new Jumanji all the more just to see the improvements they made on it because this one does get pretty schmaltzy with the dad and whatnot in the end. And it was okay. How many times have you seen it? Have, like, have you seen it a, oh, a bunch? Countless times. Countless. But okay. uh, only but then there was a long break and then I watched it a couple of years ago. And I was kind of shocked at how some of the special effects have aged. I echo everything you said. It's still a great movie. And it didn't, yeah. it, like, even with the older special effects, I wasn't like, this movie now sucks. It just was like, yeah. no, I, wasn't. Ah, I just bring it, just file it down just a smidge. But I can get by the CGI that's dodgy and aged. But what I have a hard time getting by is that those spiders. Hey, movie freaks, future Eric here. I'm just editing the show, and I, it's a, such a hard transition that I just wanted to pop in and, and acknowledge it. I went to yell at my kids to be quiet or go get them snacks or treats or whatever that I always have to do during the show, and I didn't come back in time to hit delay on some program on my computer that wanted to reboot, so it rebooted, and we lost a small part of the show. But it was a really tiny part, so anyway... On with the show, and the next review. Okay, so I'm going to talk uh, a couple movies here that uh, that I've I believe talked about already on the show, but uh, we're just going to talk about them again uh, because why not? Eric is cleaning up vomit. All right, my kid threw up. That's what it was. So first up is 
Night of the Living Dead. Now, the reason that I'm talking about this movie is uh, because Criterion just released their version of the movie or their transfer of the movie. Uh, I've seen this movie countless times over VHS, then DVD, then television, uh, pretty much every home media format you can think of. In fact, I have a couple other Blu-ray releases of it, uh, starting with Forgotten Films, which was kind of a bootleg-ish version of this movie, I guess, which, having said that, this movie has been in public domain, so any and every company, uh, fly-by-night company, seems to have released this movie, but that was the first Blu-ray release of the movie here in the States, and I will say that that version that came out many years ago looked really, really, really good. Since then, uh, there's been several other versions, the best of which was a version from HappyNet, which is a, which is a company over in Japan. And I actually imported this one and it was fantastic. In fact, I figured that that was going to be the, uh, the last and final word on Night of the Living Dead, that this is the transfer. The special features were really good on that disc. Well, then Criterion announce, announces that they're doing a new 4K scan uh, of the movie, and it's it got a limited theatrical release. And I am happy to say, excited to say, that this is the definitive version of this movie. They have taken a movie that, on most other home uh, home formats, was dodgy at best, which adds, I guess, some of the charm of this movie. Uh, but even the the other recent Blu-ray releases, even the HappyNet one, pale, pale in comparison to Night of the Living Dead Criterion release. This movie looks stunning. One of the best transfers, honestly, of a Blu-ray that I have seen since the format's inception in 2007. The picture is flawless, but not overly processed. It looks like natural film, but in the best way possible. The sound, while... Uh, I think 1.0, but uncompressed is just fantastic. There, it, it almost for some reason, like watching it this time, I heard things that I didn't before because the sound is so crisp and clear on this. The movie itself speaks it, it speaks for itself. The uh, it, Night of the Living Dead to me, as it gets older, it continues to improve. I remember the first couple times I watched Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I liked it enough, uh, but I'm like, ah, it's black and white and it's not that gory and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead are better, even Return of the Living Dead. And they're like, eh, this is old. But the older I get and the older this movie gets, and especially with these newer, uh, just cleaned up and just fantastic transfer of these movies, uh, I have a new appreciation for them. And this one especially keeps climbing my list. I would dare say at this point, Night of the Living Dead is uh, my favorite of the George Romero dead movies. It used to be Day of the Dead, but watching this again, this is a true classic. And the acting even is so good, especially from from Dwayne Jones, who plays Ben in the movie. He was phenomenal in the movie. Uh, The movie is heartbreaking. I love how it ends. There's so much going on in this movie that just... Works And it truly feels like it's lightning in the bottle to where I don't think they quite knew what they were making. Uh, 
that it was going to end up being, I'm sure that they didn't know that it was going to be this influential of a movie, but it is. And it is one of the defining moments in American horror cinema. I cannot recommend the movie enough. This gets a five star across the board for movie, for picture quality, for audio quality. And the supplemental features on this Criterion disc are hours and hours worth of stuff. I only watched a 25 to 30 minute uh, retrospective with Guillermo del Toro and uh, Robert Rodriguez and um, oh, one other director. I fell asleep during it because I was I was drinking. It was late, and it wasn't because it wasn't good. It was a great retrospective on it and how influential the movie is, especially uh, del Toro. Uh, some of the stuff that he had to say was so interesting. And how this movie has shaped how they make movies and how it's made, how horror movies are made. And it's still a classic. It's still, I think, uh, relevant, uh, especially in American cinema history. Uh, buy the movie on Blu-ray. It is worth every single dollar. There's my review of Night of the Living Dead Criterion release. And now that I'm back after cleaning up puke, Eugene is off dealing with his kids. Haha. <laughs> I guess I will do one quick one that he won't really give a shit about. To Kill with Intrigue. This is a Jackie Chan movie, an old-school kung fu, martial arts, just heyday of old-school cinema. I adore this movie, and I'm so happy to find out that it holds up. It's completely full of everything you want in an old-school kung fu movie. It has craziness, it's wacky, it has Blood and violence and gore and well, a little bit, but a crazy story, uh, obviously a revenge plot, uh, magical, mystical elements to it, and just badass martial arts fighting that's really interesting. Not necessarily realistic, but you don't really care about that in the old school ones. I love this movie. If you haven't seen it and you're into old school martial arts, you have got to check out To Kill with Intrigue. That is one of my favorite old Jackie Chan movies. It's so damn good, and so damn funny, and so absolutely quotable. <laughs> uh, okay, Eugene's back. Apparently my um, antivirus stuff decided to reboot. And nice. then I, I, my computer gets booted back up again. I have no saved files. So I just went and opened Audacity. Let's see what happens. And it says, would you like to recover new project from today? Yes, oh. I would. Thank you very much. So, we are good to go. Audacity saving the day once again, man. No we, kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now that you're here, I want to do a double header of animation. Okay. Starting off with a Ralph Bakshi joint, Wizards, that you were so kind enough to let me borrow. Did we not review this last episode? Oh, uh, we did, but it was so full of errors that I decided to delete it, and I thought you're we'd right. talk about it again. Yes. <laughs> little peek behind the curtain. We made a lot of mistakes in that thing, and it was it was just a better use of my time to just say fuck it and wipe it, and we'll, we'll try it again. Um, <laughs> so, Ralph Bakshi, uh, I appreciate his animation, his animation style, and the work that he puts into these stories, especially considering the time when he was doing these kinds of weird animation things. Uh, that being said, I uh, I don't know, you, did you review this on the show before? I don't... Th well, no, just when we talked about it last episode. Okay. Yeah, overall, it was everything that I've come to expect from one of his movies. I didn't care for it, really. But it was interesting to watch all the way through. I was never really bored. At least past the first ten minutes or so when they were doing a lot of still frame animation with narration. I don't like that. At least have... Uh, give me moving pictures. 
Uh, but when they got onto that stuff, and, and like all the stuff, it's over-sexualized in a weird, pervy kind of way. Yes, it is. I'm. It was worth one watch, and if I came across it on VHS for 50 cents, I'd pick it up. Other than that, I'm good. Um, not really for me. It, it does have dark elements in, in it that I really appreciate, especially from that time frame. And I gotta give it props for, like, if you imagine watching that when it came out in the theaters, and everybody's doing acid, it would blow your fucking mind. Yeah. It would be, it would be like, this is crazy insane but as it is i i'm not I, I mean while i whenever i see his name i'm like oh i should check this out i can't point to anything that i'm like i like that <laughs> a lot of the stuff that he does it's but, unique yeah it's unique and his art style is very it's beautiful and dark and disturbing and weird to look at but as, as a whole on a story level it just none of it really kind of works for me uh anything you want to add to wizards no it one and done for me. I can't imagine I'm going to rewatch that one. Yeah, probably me too. Uh, okay, in the same vein as that movie, I want to talk about another animated movie, The Secret of Nim. Do you remember this movie? I do. I have not seen it since probably the VHS days, but I do remember that movie. It, well, it came across TV, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this, because I haven't seen it in so many years, I don't even barely remember what it's about. The mouse movie. Mouse and rats and, yes, critters. A plenty and fantasy elements and magic and this is how your fantasy movie should be. This is a kids movie from the eighties, I believe, and it's dark. It's amazing when I go back and revisit some of these movies that we grew up on. How dark they are as compared to the stuff that comes out these days for kids that's so watered down and moody. It's it's something about the eighties that I don't know. I don't want to say kids were a little tougher or whatever, but. You were exposed to a little more, I think, than they're letting kids be exposed to now. You still have some dark elements in some of the animated films that come out these days. Like Schindler's Toy Box, Toy Story 3. But <laughs> it's it's still nothing yeah. like, like this movie where really dark fantasy elements coming into play. And life and death stuff that, I, I don't know, it just, it was... Not, I'm not going to say it's great or anything, but I just was really captivated by the darkness of an 80s animated film and what they were selling as a kid's movie back then. Uh, so anyway, it works a lot better than Wizards. I will watch The Secret of Nim again, but I'm probably good on Wizards. Whereas that one was trying to be so dark, whereas The Secret of Nim just kind of did it. I, yeah. I, I, it's not, maybe not a fair judgment because Wizards, I think, was like 60s or so, I mean... 70s? I mean, it, it 70s, was yeah. way before... Uh, I, I gotta look up these dates, because now I'm gonna look it up, and it's gonna be like, Secret of Nim came out in 1954, and <laughs> Wizards came out in... 19, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, to go along with that, even Disney got into that with uh, Black Cauldron, which I still think is a great movie. Yeah, and Wizards was, a, was 1977, which was a completely different time in Hollywood. This Now you're... Well... That's that would be the year of Star Wars because that's when everything changed. Uh huh. Things were just so different before Star Wars. And Secret of Nim was eighty two. So yeah, I was right. A little later on, uh, a little early on Wizards, but yeah, uh, yeah, the whole landscape completely changed with Star Wars. Anyway, uh, Wizards, Secret of Nim, To Kill with Intrigue. Back to you. Okay, I hinted last week that I was going to talk about some Charles Bronson movies, and I shall. Starting off with Death Wish Part 3. And as uh, a previous entry in the Movie Freaks podcast title uh, did hint at, it's a movie. And it is. 
<laughs> it's a good one, actually. It's uh, nothing like, especially the second one. They uh, they very much canonized part three to where it's just very canony. Uh, old people with bazookas and machine guns and the lamest lamest uh gang like city gang you will ever see in a movie they're they're pretty lame uh <laughs> lots of inverted mohawks and tough talking uh, no it they were yeah but the movie itself is great i thought the, that it, because they jumped the shark with this one and it's the the second the second one is like a really ugly violent nasty crime movie and this one here is much more lighthearted, even though I don't think when it was made it was supposed to feel that way, but it's just, it is that. It is just goofy, over-the-top weirdness. Everybody seems to be overacting except Charles Bronson. It's like he's still like the Paul Kersey from the first two, but it's now he is all of a sudden in Romper Room uh, with a cast of oof, just odd, odd choices for characters and Lots of machine guns and motorcycle gangs, and it's all... And lots of people walking around and barrels on fire. And Oh, yeah. it's it, This is like post-apocalyptic almost with, with the setting. But it works. It's fun. Uh, this is the probably the second R-rated movie that I ever saw. The first one was Code of Silence with Chuck Norris. This is number two, or the second one. And it's while it's very cheesy, it's extremely R-rated. Um, there is a ton of people that get just murdered in this thing and of course it's it's a death wish movie so there's a rape in it of course and uh it's my 10 year old brain was what what am i watching this is great and it's it's still great um okay <laughs> next up is death wish part four the crackdown and i think this is the first time that i ever watched the crackdown and this one here is a bit more uh, it's a canon movie, but it's still, it's, it's a bit more toned down after the bonkers part three. Can I this ask one, a random question? Yeah. Um, does it have a scene where a guy in a wheelchair gets beat to death with a, uh, meat tenderizer hammer? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, no, that's, I a, have... th- that's a scene in a movie I've been trying to find for 25 years. It's just a scene I've seen in a movie, and I can't find it. No, not Death Wish 4. Okay. Uh, it sounds great, though, of course. <laughs> uh, the, the, here, Paul Kersey is, and it, once again, he's an architect, you see. He draws houses and things, and he also shoots people. Uh, he takes on drug cartels in this one, and it's funny how he can... I need to infiltrate the drug cartel, so immediately I'm going to be a wine salesman, or I'm going to be a... Uh, a waiter or a butler or whatever. And he just kind of just immediately blends in all, even though he's like, like you'd be like, why are, who are you? Why are you here? He's able to be everywhere at the right time. And that's Paul Kersey. Yeah. Well, he's very unremarkable with his two foot wide head. (laughs) (laughs) And his gigantic magnum. Yeah. Uh, or actually in this one, yeah, he's back to using a bazooka at one point or a, a rocket launcher of some sort to blow up a human being. Just one. Like, yeah. Like, oh, Makes okay, sense. fitting end. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, this one here has a good roller chase, roller skating rink chase that's kind of cool in the end. And it's, it's all 80s 
silliness, but uh, this one here is a little bit more legit than part three, but not quite as entertaining as part three. Uh, so if that makes sense. Yeah, a little less canony. Yes, a little. And then last but not least on my Charles Bronson list is Murphy's Law from 1986. This is on Amazon Prime, and I was, I got on my Charles Bronson kick, which this actually ended the, the Charles Bronson kick. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, now I'm all good with Charles Bronson. Bronson kick for, over. Yes, over <laughs> and three. Uh, so this one here, he is a, well, he's a hard drinking cop. Basically, I feel like I watched this one, maybe on the roulette or something. I'm, I don't know. Um, he's, he, uh, gets handcuffed to this, this girl that, oh, I hated this girl in this movie. Uh, but he arrests this girl and now he's handcuffed to this girl, uh, because he's framed for the murder of his stripper wife. And, uh, then he's on the run to find out who actually is setting him up. And, uh, it's, to me, it seemed like a lot of the dialogue, especially from the uh, the lady in this, which she is Kathleen Will Hoyt. Uh, I'm not sure who she... Uh, she was in The Edge, I guess. Um, okay. Roadhouse. Oh, she was in Roadhouse. So there you go. Uh, but she was also in this. And the lines that she delivers, she likes to call people names in the movie. And it's just stupid shit like booger brains and... Poopoo head and toilet breath and farty fart. Uh, stupid. Stupid. Uh, but in a kind of cool 80s sort of way. Uh, uh, and her I'm so haircut- conflicted. I don't even know what, what, how you feel oh, about this well, At first I'm like, wow, that's, that's awful. And then by the end I'm like, okay, I get your thing. You're, you're the lame, funny one-liner comic relief that's not really a comic relief. But in this particular movie it kind of works because it's dated and so I'm it's mom numb. jokes. Huh? Mom jokes instead yes. of bad jokes. It's mom yes. jokes. Yes, mom jokes. But she's like way too young for him, but they start to have romantic interest because it's an 80s canon movie, whatever. Uh, and it all wraps up as you expect it to wrap up. But it's a Charles Bronson joint. Uh, he likes to drink in the movie and people die and she says poo head. The end. Three stars. <laughs> <sighs> perfect. Yeah. That, that was perfect. There you go. Um, wow. Where do I go from there? Um, <laughs> or unless you want more, are you more? No, <laughs> I need a, I need a break. <laughs> okay. Let's start off with something current. I guess I should probably get this checked off because we try, try to be a little current every once in a great while. Altered Carbon season one on Netflix starring Joel Kinnaman and a host of other people. Get notes here. Uh, this is a extremely science fiction show, uh, and um, man, I really would like to recommend it to you, but I think you would not like it, which is too bad. It is extremely science fiction. I mean, this is basically Blade Runner the show, and that's uh, everything Blade Runner. It's as confusing as Blade Runner, if not more so, because of the way that the plot is set up. The plot basically is that... It's in the future, obviously, and um, uh, they found a way to map the human consciousness into a disc that you put into your neck. Everybody has this disc put in when they're, like, born. And then if anything happens to you and you die, you can be put into a new, quote-unquote, sleeve, which is a new human body. They just take your disc out, put it in another body, you're good to go. So unless your stack, your disc, gets destroyed, you get to live as long as you want. 
So you have the ultra-rich that live in these giant skyscrapers that go above the clouds. It's beautiful. And you have the extremely poor that live on the ground and have to make do with whatever sleeve they have. So you might be a 10-year-old kid stuck in the sleeve of an 80-year-old woman just because you can't afford a good sleeve. Uh, the, the basic story is that these ultra-rich people wake up a guy that's been, uh, oh, I don't want to say in prison, but it's sort of like he's been deactivated because he's a so sort of a terrorist. And this ultra-rich guy uses his power and influence and money to wake him up and give him a military body because he wants him to solve the murder, a, a murder, his murder, because... He was murdered, but they didn't blow up the stack, so... Or they... Uh, he was, wow. He was murdered, but his stack was uploaded to a satellite so he could get into another body anyway, so he escaped. So you see how this becomes uh, a problem, because you yeah. have multiple characters that go into different bodies. It becomes problematic right off the bat because our main character is an Asian guy who gets put into the body of a white guy for the entire movie, or show. So in today's day and age, that's already a problem because now you've got a white guy that has a job that was taken from an Asian guy. They do an oak. And I was like, go, going along with it. I was like, we got to see how this wraps up because they made some comments along the way about it, that at least they're addressing it. Like he runs into his sister who's still Asian and looks at him and says, well, you're the worst for wear implying, oh, you're white now instead of Asian. That was I believe the implication. There were other people that mentioned things about it. He mentioned something in there. There were little comments in, in there along the way that at least they address it somewhat. And I was okay with it going, as long as we get to the end and he options to choose to get out of this body and into a different one that's nationally appealing to him, then I will kind of, I, I think I might be able to let it slide. I don't know. When it comes to these kind of things, I'm not POC. So I will defer to POC whether or not it's an offensive thing. And that's, you know, I, I will agree with you on whatever. <laughs> does okay. That, does that make sense? It does. Boy, this sounds like something that I don't want to watch. I, here's the reasons why you might want to, You won't like this because it's so fucking complicated. Every episode, my wife and I sat there discussing what is going on. Okay, wait, who's he talking about? Where is he? What person is he talking about? Where is this? Because they're switching bodies and... But it's so full of great Blade runner special effects, and then there's bouts of gore and violence along the way that are just awesome, and cool future sci-fi uh, sci weapons, and it... When all is said and done, I didn't get the payoff that I wanted in the end. I was a little frustrated that they didn't address that nationality-changing issue more. And... um What's the other thing? Uh, oh, the okay. Got to be not spoiler here. Uh, the the villain in the movie was so sadistic to the main character, and I don't feel like they remotely gave enough reason f for that person to be that way. Like you're being so fucking cruel, you're being so horrible to this person. And I don't feel like you gave enough explanation as to why they would have the motivation to be that way. That di it just didn't quite flow. It was like, you pissed on my lawn one time, 250 years ago. I'm going to kill everyone you ever met. Like what? <laughs> you know, like it's, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, so 
anyway, I, I give this, I give the series a thumbs up, but I am giving it plenty of those negatives where it, it's ultra confusing, the, but the special effects were astounding. I, I hope they do another season. Apparently this was based on some books that were some sci-fi books series. And so there is a basis for all of this. So, uh, uh, hopefully they make more. I will watch more. Um, cool. but I would be very interested to, to read some thoughts from people of color on what they thought of the whole transition, like the whole arc of the character, because I, I don't, I, I'm, I feel a little uncomfortable about it, but I will defer to their emotional response to it. If that okay. makes sense. I'm not trying to be wishy-washy on that. I just, I'm like, I, it, I don't like to make statements on these things that uh, affect other people and not me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, I do. No, I get it. So, yeah. yeah. I get it. I Yeah. I, it just, it, it's not especially with the Especially with the so hard to follow erased, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I think you're good. Uh, <laughs> but big shout out to the people that did the special effects. I mean, nudity and, I mean, it was very R-rated. People, lots of people walking around naked. I mean, after you've been alive for 250 years, nobody gives a shit anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, as far as a Netflix original TV show, I would give it a thumbs up. I'm not going to go mind-blowing thumbs up, but I will give it a thumbs up. Is it going to be continued? Like, there's going to be multiple seasons? Or do you you know, like, how... Uh, It's... In story-wise, I don't see any reason why we couldn't. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I don't know where this falls with the books. Was this one book or was this six of the books? Yeah. I would guess one, but we will see. It was 10 episodes, uh, 45 minutes each. Okay. All uh, right. Is there anything else I want to cover this round? Nope. Back to you. Okay. Uh, so I watched Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, there we go. Was probably the night, uh, the action I'm, guessing that it was after we recorded last week i hopped on the netflix and watched this and uh i've already uh, i've already kind of chimed in a little bit uh, to you just on my thoughts and i'm not going to give it a thumbs down but i certainly i liked the first two a lot better than this one uh, not that i didn't enjoy this one on a certain level i just i liked the storyline of like the found footage for part 1 and then the Twilight Zone-ish uh, bottle episode kind of part two. And this one here, it just, to me, it initially it felt like they took, they took a space bound, bad things are happening and let's just put some Cloverfield tinfoil on it and boom, shove it on the Netflix. There you go. But if uh, I'm not mistaken, that is true of the first two Cloverfield movies. The first, the tenth Def, definitely the yeah. second one. That was yeah, yeah. So I get it. I but I, after I of course I hopped onto YouTube and there was some explaining videos on there as to how they all tie together, which I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that. And I actually I appreciate how if that's the case, how this will tie those two and future installments together. Uh, but there's I don't know. It just it didn't quite click with me like the other two did. The special effects were really good. Acting was good. Uh, I wanted more Cloverfield sh- stuff in it. And I will say this, that 10 Cloverfield Lane really didn't have anything Cloverfield-y in it. Cloverfield-y. Jeez. Oh, why Co- not? We're doing the Cloververse. So. Yeah, it's a Clover-y. Uh, <laughs> until the very end, until uh, Kate Winslet escapes. Kate no. Winslet. Good God. 
<sighs> okay. And I still don't know her name. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to cut this out. I'm just going to let it ride, see what happens. Um, the um, the death- girl with the purple hair in the cool movie that yeah. I like about Ryan. <laughs> A death-proof cheerleader. Yes, death-proof cheerleader and purple hair girl from uh, Scott Pilgrim. That girl. That Yeah, and, and Black Christmas. Her. <laughs> that. Kate something. No. Probably not. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm looking. Uh, so when she escapes, uh, I'm like, okay, now here we go. Now it's a Cloverfield movie. And they did the same thing here, except here it was obviously sprinkled throughout the movie. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. There you go. We, I, I feel like the, there was a bit of exposition in the beginning that could tie John Goodman's character in with this one, possibly. You remember when they were watching the news clip and there was this guy saying, you're going to rip a, a hole in the time, you know, time and space. I feel like he kind of seemed a bit off the rails like John Goodman's character did, maybe. Well, and it- John Goodman's character worked for the company that put that... Uh, this is where Cloververse gets complicated, because you have to do a bunch of fucking homework. You have to go to all these websites that are all um, bullshit made-up web- websites that... Um, I, what's the word? Viral marketing that put all these movies together. John Goodman's character worked for the company that put the satellite in space that dropped into the ocean in the first one. Okay. Yeah. That's on yes. a website somewhere. That's n- not related to any of the movies whatsoever, I guess. Well, wow. it is related in that you have to go do the research and look up that company that he worked yeah. for, and then you can find his profile on one of those websites. It was in those YouTube videos. And here's what's... I, I think that that's really cool. And this is like going all the way back to the Blair Witch Project is that was, like, they did their whole on, like, this whole big online universe type thing behind Blair Witch Project. And I thought that was really cool, and it made the movie even better. And I appreciate that they do that for this series, too, not just this movie. So there are there are things that I like about it, uh, but there, I don't know why, just this one here didn't quite click with me like the other two did. Uh, I thought the Earthbound stuff with the husband was I'm like, ah, uh, come on. But, uh, you know, it's, eh, whatever. It was, uh, I'll watch it again, I'm sure, sometime because I'm going to, I'm going to follow this. I continually, I'm going to follow this series. And I have a feeling that maybe future installments might actually even make me like this one better. I don't know. I so don't we'll disagree see. with anything you said. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it comes back to what I said in my review is that I think most people hold those first two in a higher regard than I do. It, it, yeah. I, this is what I've come to expect from Cloververse is, well, you got some interesting ideas and it feels like it was tacked onto another movie and it doesn't really answer any questions and it's kind of confusing, but okay. Um, yeah. It was entertaining for a while. And yeah. Th- so that's why I, it's easy for me to swallow this movie. It's just like, all right. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of the faults that you've said. And I, I will say this is a spoiler warning, but then the very end, yeah, so if you don't want to hear the ending, here we go. The end when the huge creature pops up out of the clouds. Now, this is just me, but I am going by what this movie set out to achieve by their whole alternate universes or alternate Earths. I thought that that was like mama creature of from that is pissed off that her baby from part one is is missing or whatever. I have a feeling like in the split time frame or whatever that she lost her 
kid because that's the same creature except it's just gigantic. Is it the same that's, creature? I didn't think it was the it, same creature. Yeah, it looked like the side of its head looked similar to the first one. Uh, this is just this is just me. Oh, I don't know. I, I'll I was waiting till you're done till I give my thoughts on it. Yeah. Um. None of the three movies are in the same universe, in my opinion. I, I think that all three are in different universes or different dimensions. Because, but when, but when that thing split, like when they do, when they do their thing in this in paradox, like they all are starting to shift together, and things are happening in yes, so but they're I'm, also moving in time and time and space. So it can't be the giant uh, creature from the first one because we're in twenty eight. We're a decade past when the first movie happened. In the first movie, they didn't have those kinds mm. of cell phones that the guy on Earth is driving around using. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's driving around yeah. going, the Earth is being attacked, and he's using his, you know, Sam, or iPhone 7. It's like, they didn't have, they had flip phones back in, back when the first movie in came Cloverfield, out. Cloverfield, yeah. Hmm. So, I think it's messing with, and it's the laziest of writing technique. I'm admitting to the faults of this movie. <laughs> but, um, they're different dimensions, I assume. They're all three of them, because in the first one it was a sea monster, and the second one it was aliens and spaceships. And we didn't have any hint of aliens and spaceships in this, in Paradox. Yeah. Other than the, the big creature in the end that pops up out of the cloud. Pops but... up out of the clouds, whereas the first Cloverfield monster wouldn't pass a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And granted, it may, it may have been a young child, yes, but at this point, we're already writing fan fiction. We're just making this shit up as we go. So, I, again, it's not a defense of Paradox. I'm just saying that the first two have issues as well. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. So anyway, there's my review. It was good for a watch. I'll watch it again sometime, but nah, you know. Chris O'Dowd funny, though? Yes, he was. And it was it yep. was cool to see um, Zhang Zai again. Haven't yeah, seen her it was. I, th- I thought that was cool. Like, Does she age? Because I think no. No. At one like, of the more interesting deaths I've seen in a long time, and as yeah. it was happening... I was thinking, oh man, what is this going to do? Is it going to just blow out? Or And then I thought, no, it's super cold, so it's just going to freeze. And they did that. It would have been way more interesting to have it just blow out. But yeah, it, the way that what they did, I was like, oh my, that, that was awesome. I really appreciated that choice. Yeah. But, but good acting. There's just something not quite clicking for me. That I can't like say this was a great movie. It was it was goodish. It was worth a watch or two. That's fine. I, I thought, so. too, that like, uh, considering the rumors for part four is that it might be a World War II movie where the Nazis are experimenting and science-y mumbo-jumbo that I'm sure is just going to make not any sense the way the other three do. Yeah. Um, that uh, in Paradox, in the one dimension, uh, Germany is at war with the world again? Sort of? Hmm. That'd be kind of cool. No, no, I, that was what was happening in Paradox. Remember, they didn't oh. trust the German guy, and on the one oh, Earth... Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. So maybe on it, it's going to have something to do with that. The, you know, they, they relate all of these movies with such thin threads through all these viral websites that I've never heard of. I didn't know any of this was going on. Those YouTube videos totally woke me up to this. It's a good way to keep people interested. If I mean, you, us dorks and the like this type of thing. They do our research and... No, oh, no, we don't do our research. The dorks do their research. We watch the YouTube videos we that show do their research. I seriously did not know any of these. I mean, they were talking about a, a 
what was it? The last slushy thing that's in all of yeah, these movies? Yeah, slusho. I, I had no idea about that. Like, I'm well aware of the red apple cigarettes from Tarantino's movies, but I had never made any connection with that. Or a Kelvin. That's oh, yeah, Kelvin's been in... J.J. Uh, Abrams stuff. Yeah, that's J.J. Abrams stuff. Yeah, the Kelvin gas station was in the... Uh, what's the J.J. Abrams movie with the creature in the train? Yeah. I, but um, I didn't know any... I, I'm supposed to be a movie freak. I'm supposed to know about all this shit. Yeah. I thought I was up on it, but apparently I haven't done enough research into fake websites to be able to pay attention to current movies these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. All right. You want to do another one? Or are um, you done? The couple more that I have, I would rather hold off and have a little bit more of a discussion on, especially one. Uh, so I'll wait. I'll We'll hit on that one next episode, I think. Okay. Well, do you want to tease anything? Yes. So I actually, I teased these last week, but they didn't show up till today in the mail. Uh, Hellraiser part 58, uh, showed up today, uh, with Doug, Bla- Doug Bradley pinhead version 3.0. We'll see how that is after the show. And I uh, got Texas Chainsaw Massacre part three. This is the late eighties one. Can't wait to watch that. And those are the two biggies. Although, <laughs> um, I said that I'm all Charles Bronsoned out, but, I, there's other stuff on Amazon Prime, like, uh, Assassination and 10 to Midnight and Messenger of Death that I probably won't watch, but I might. You might. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, something about, like, if I, all it takes is to me sitting through 30 minutes of utter rubbish. And then I'm like, okay, take me back to the 80s or back to actual film. And, um, yeah. How about you? Um, 13 Hours, Flight of the Navigator, Phantom Boy. I got a bunch of weird shit on my stack. I, I gotta get some of this stuff checked off. And I haven't been getting around to it because I have so much recently watched already on the list to talk about that I haven't... Uh, 1010, I want to watch that movie again. Oh, cool. Circling back to 13 Hours, uh, that's actually one that I've been wanting to talk about again because I just recently rewatched that. I will hold off on my rewatch review until you get done with yours. Did uh, okay, but mm, uh teaser, did your review change at all? No, stayed exactly the same. Wow. So we don't have to talk yeah. about it. Wonderful. Okay. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I <laughs> that is one where the whole way through I'm like um I want you to watch this movie. I will try and get it done this week, but it's also okay. Valentine's week, so I have other things going on. And no, like wa- like watching Toxic Avenger yeah, and Conan because it's sexy. <laughs> Hey, honey, you feeling randy? Let's pop in Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, the side order of trauma. Ooh. Mm. And on that, that note. Is. Yep. <laughs> on that note, I'm Eugene Weaver. I'm Eric Marner. I'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right. See ya. I almost said thanks. Good God. <laughs> Thanks for listening.